as if you were talking to me to begin with, because I don't track that very Good well. morning. How is everybody doing today? There you go. Good. Me, and how are you out there? Yeah. Let us know in the comments. We'd love to hear from you and how you're doing this morning. But how are you, Joe? Good. Good. Is that uh, better? Yeah, that was so much better. So we're all, well, we're all learning. Mm -hmm. I pretend like I actually have some authority or knowledge related to this. Really, no. I'm making it up <laughs> as I go. But I'm a consultant by, uh, by profession. So my job is to pretend like I know stuff and then charge people a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, uh, last night we watched a, a movie and then we turned on YouTube videos and we're watching musicians do at-home concerts. So we just okay. hung out and it was really peaceful. You know, it's amazing how claustrophobic it feels to be inside. Mm. And then when you go outside, you have the opportunity in your backyard, you're gardening or whatever. All of a sudden, it's like, oh, this is okay. Yeah. So we I'm watched Holy Moly. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Holy Moly. If you haven't watched it, it's great. It yeah. is a waste of time. <laughs> uh, but it, but one, you know, I I'll just you you started this. I'm just going to keep going. Um, I was having just a terrible morning about three weeks back. I, it had, there was nothing external that was influencing that. It was all in my head. I was just having a bad morning. And I went out on the back porch and I pulled up some really ridiculous YouTube videos. Craig Ferguson, if you remember him, he had a, a, t a talk show, Scottish guy. Don't worry about it, it's not important. Um, and after about 15 minutes, I was laughing and I just felt lighter. And I went inside and I got on with my day. Um, I don't remember how I Laughter is a medicine for the heart, the pro Proverbs say. It lightens your heart. It heals your soul. I'm so grateful you had a transition for that because I didn't know where I was going. <laughs> so You're thanks. welcome. Yeah. So how are you? I heard you saw the new Mulan. and uh, It was okay. Yeah. It was all right. Jesse said it's garbage. Yeah. yeah. That's a quote. The boys thought it was decent. So, yeah. But it's been an okay week. It's been a busy week. And um, the boys are back to school this week. And it's, <laughs> they uh, look down sad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's going to be a weird world for, for, for all those who are going back to school. And I hope you guys are doing well out there. Thank you for joining us. Whenever this is that you join us, whether it's, whether it's this morning, I know people watch it at 2 o'clock in the morning or th Thursday afternoons, all, all over the world in all kinds of times. It's kind of strange to me. But, yeah. well, hey, it, you're, you're worshiping and hearing God's voice, and that's what matters. So, Can I say thank you real quick? What? Um, there were two hurricanes last week. And they were threatening my in-laws, uh, my uh, Keith and Alice, who live uh, in uh, uh, in Texas, right in the Gulf Coast uh, area there. And they were sandwiched between Laura and Marco. And it looked like they were just going to get hammered. And in 2008, they did. Their their house was destroyed and taken down to the concrete foundation. And so wow. um, Alice was just very anxious uh, uh, from the trauma from last time that this could happen to her again. And, um, and it didn't. And we're really grateful. Still praying for people who had trouble. And my mom had her tumor removed a week ago, Friday, and she's recovered pretty well. So last week was kind of heavy, and this week is much better. So I want to say thanks for those who are praying. Really do appreciate that. Yeah. Well, let me, uh, let me uh, talk a little bit about what we're going to be talking about today. We're continuing in Mark chapter 1. So if you'd like to turn your Bibles to there um, so you can get ready for the sermon. Um, last week, um, we were talking about Jesus having authority. Now, this world is crazy right now, isn't it? And it's dark, and it's just getting darker. And, and I, I want to encourage us, how do we live in this world today? And last week was all about how Jesus has power over, a, o, o, over dark forces. 
and to a certain extent, a lot of what's happening in our, in our society is definitely influenced by dark forces. Anything there's, when there's super violence and hatred and anger and lawlessness, that's not from God. That's from the other side. But Jesus has power over that. That's what was last week. But this week is a little bit more proactive. How do you live in this? And, and we're going to look at the day in the life of Jesus. And we're going to see three aspects of how, how Jesus lived his life that we can shape our lives around as well. So practical application. Very practical today. All right. Super practical. I look forward to it. All right, let me pray for us. Father, thank you for the day. Thank you for this, day, this, this time to be able to worship you. I pray for your blessing to rest upon this service, upon the people who hear and listen and watch this. That, Father, that you would, be, you would move in their lives, in our lives. That, you, you, that through us you would move into the world, bringing glory to yourself through your son, Jesus Christ. As we come in this morning, Jesus, move our hearts to praise you as you deserve for, for coming, for rescuing us, for providing a reconciliation to you, Father, the forgiveness of our sins. Help us to focus on that. May there be no distractions from technology, from, a, from in the room, wherever we are. Give us your spirit to praise you now. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to encourage you to stand as we worship and, uh, and engage. It's easier to worship when we're standing, I think. So You know, it's, I was going to say, you've read my mind, because I know last week you saw that people weren't standing, and uh, we've disconnected from the physical action of worship because we haven't been here physically. Yeah. And uh, whether you stand or you kneel or just affect a, a posture of worship that is meaningful to you. So if you feel like standing, that's great. I do encourage you to keep your masks on during singing. Um, I know that doesn't feel the same and it seems disingenuous coming from me because mine is off. Um, but uh, that's part of the reason we have that 12 feet separation between folks. So. We're going to start out with... Uh, we, uh, we lost a really good friend this, uh, this year, Denise Kraxberger, and this was a song that she had been asking me to do for so long, and when I finally did it, she was just thrilled. Victory in Jesus was one of her favorite um, hymns, and uh, I like to imagine that she is uh, um, uh, listening, and she is obviously singing with Jesus right now, and, uh, and doing so uh, with even more enthusiasm than she had in this world, so uh, looking forward to singing this with her right now. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, I pray that that we find some way that you show us the way as we are interacting with this world, to view it through your eyes, to, to see how immeasurable your grace is, to see how you have applied that grace to us in our frailty, in our messiness, and, and for us to apply that grace to others 
even as we are inviting them to know who you are, to come closer to you, that we would not be a barrier, but an extraordinary invitation. And not just a momentary invitation, but a, a commitment to them to walk alongside them on this journey, to encourage them, to love them, to forgive them as they make mistakes in the same way that we ask for your forgiveness as sinners, as people who will always be sinners until we join you, that you constantly pour forgiveness on us, that we would pour forgiveness on others as hard as that can be. May we be open to that, our eyes open to you, our ears open to hear your words in this morning to take with us, to receive and to take with us the message you have for us today. In the name of your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Um, if you'd like to turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 1. A couple more things about that song. Um, I remember when it first came out, there were some pastors who would say that it's, it's just empty. It's just emotionalism. And I want to encourage, encourage them and you. Look at some of the scriptural references there. There's actually some deep theology. You know, jealous for me. That's from, from Exodus. I am a jealous God. The, the, uh, the, uh, we are his portion. We are his prize. That's a scriptural reference. Um, there's multiple ones in there that are quite significant. It's not just emotionalism. And another way of thinking about that passionate, that, 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 that kiss thing is, it, I'm sure many of you have heard of those last day, hours of Jesus is the passion of, 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 of Christ, the, the, the passion of him. It's because this is, this is his, his moving to save us. And I think of the sloppy wet kiss as, as passionate. As, and, and God very much deeply cares about us. That's the point. All right. So let me pray for me because I feel um, I, I want to pray that God uses me right now. Um, and, let's, uh, and I know Joe just prayed for us, and I thank you for that. But let's, let's take a moment and pray again um, as we get into the text. All right. Father, help. Help me to focus on you. Help us to focus on you. Spirit, we need your help. The deep desire of, of your heart, Spirit, Holy Spirit, is to bring glory to Jesus, which is what you, we long to have. That's certainly what I do. Help us to, um, to understand and to, 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 to have your, your word, Spirit, that you've written through your, your servant Mark, um, come alive. Use me to do that. Change our lives. Help us to be people who hear your voice in this moment, but also who, who don't look in the perfect mirror of your word and then walk away. In Christ's name, amen. Are you a follower of Jesus? It's one way of describing whether or not you're a Christian. Are you a follower of Christ? To be a follower, among other things, means that you pattern your life after Him. It's not just an issue of that you ascribe to a particular set of morality or believe in a certain set of things, although those things are all true as well, but it's that when you look at the, how Jesus is, has, has arranged His life, you want to be like Christ. And that's what we're going to see today. What is a normal day like for Jesus? 
And that's what we're seeing here in Mark. It began, this day began in verse 21 in the morning where Jesus goes to the synagogue. He goes to essentially church. It's a Saturday because that's when, when they did that and they would go to, they would essentially go to church. A synagogue is like, is, is a place where, where, where the Jews would get together and they would, they would hear the gospel, hear, hear the, the Bible read, they would talk about it, they would do some worship and something amazing happened there, you know. The, the demon was kicked out, and everybody's all a buzz about it. Well, then, starting in verse 21, excuse me, 29, Jesus goes home. He goes home with Peter. They left the synagogue, and he immediately goes back there. There's the four, four disciples, and, and they get there, and they, they, they tell Jesus, by the way, my mother-in-law is really sick. Peter's mother-in-law is really sick. He's married. Did you know that? It's possible others were married, but certainly Peter was. We hear it here, and there's another place in the Bible that talks about Jesus, uh, Peter being married. And um, so he's married. And he, she's really sick. Verse 29, they immediately, they left the synagogue, and they entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever, and immediately they told her about her. Now in Luke, we, we, he adds a little line that says she has a high fever. She's not just a little bit sick, she's very sick. Now try and imagine um, what's going on here. By the way, when I, do the, when I look at the Bible, I, I am really careful to read what's there and nothing more. It's easy to add stuff in and speculate. But on the other hand, you need to have a little bit of a holy imagination and try and, what, what is going on here? She is a mother-in-law. What does that mean? It means there's, 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 there's relationship there. There's love there. Peter is clearly going to be concerned here. His wife has got to be very worried. High fevers back then are deadly. Think think about the anxiety, the fear of having your mother-in-law or your mother, close family members, potentially dying here. The anxiety. This is this is emotional. It's worrisome, you know, and, and, and having, you know, lost my own parents not too distantly and and in our family, our, our our family is struggling with you know with Kathy's folks getting older, and there's issues here, and it's 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 burden, stress, and this has a ring of personal reminiscence. I mean, this is Mark was written um, from Peter's perspective. He's the one that's probably telling the story, and Mark is writing it down. That's what the tradition goes, and it makes sense that that's the case. So this is really personal for him. And so they get there having this really amazing morning, and they get back there, and there's this very personal issue happening in Peter's life, in his family's life. His mom is really sick. I remember having a fever as a child. Um, I've had high, very high, it was a very high fever. I don't know if any of you have had one that's really high. Um, but you feel horrible. 
you feel like dying. You'd be just miserable. In fact, I had, I, mine was so high, I was a little disoriented. I didn't really kind of, I had no idea people were coming in and out of the room. And it was, you know, because I had, had, I had pneumonia and the hospital couldn't figure out why I had pneumonia. Um, Dallas Hospital. Um, <laughs> it's true. I was in that hospital for like three weeks and they couldn't figure it out. My dad said, finally, we're taking him to OHSU. I get there and they go, it's pneumonia. Oh, small town hospitals. So anyways, I had a very high fever. And it was, it, it's horrible. It, even, you know, a, after all these years, I vividly remember how horrible it felt. This is what she's feeling. And as I said, she could be dying back then. They didn't have penicillin. They didn't, have, they didn't fully understand how to cure all of these things. And so they go and tell Jesus, this is a serious issue for them. And what does he do? He just walks in there. He takes her hand and picks her up and says, all right, that's it. Again, similar to the morning. There's no big show. There's no incantations. No, no, nothing. He just literally goes, okay, Abigail or whatever her name would be, it's, which we don't know. Here, come on. And instantaneously, she's fine. That's the, that's the significance here of saying immediately. Look at, look at verse 30. Now, Simon mother-in-law lay ill with a fever. Immediately, they told her about her, and he came. He took her by the hand, lifted her up, and the fever left her, and she began to serve them. And now, this isn't about gender roles necessarily at the point here. The point is, is that she didn't have a slow recovery. She had an instantaneously, completely fine healing. Just like that. Imagine the emotions. Going from one moment, is my mom going to die? And, and being anxious and fearful and stressed and serving her because she can't take care of herself at this moment to just like that, all of that's gone. All of that's gone. And now she's serving you. The relief. Like you can breathe again. I know what it feels like to have anxiety and fear constantly for a long time and then to suddenly have that gone. The impact. It shows that Jesus cares about what's happening in people's lives. And that's the first thing we're going to see in, in the life of Jesus is he's about people, about serving them, taking care of them. He's concerned about every little detail of what's happening. I remember this, this story of, um, there was this musician in the, in the 70s and early 80s, his name was Keith Green, and he tells the story of introducing this song, when he's introducing this song, of, of, of how God likes, cares about the little things. It's like, how, and he goes, how many of you who had, had a little, like a, a three-year-old, who, who stubbed their toe, would you say, oh, who cares? Well, no, I mean, you know it's not that big of a deal, but to the child, it's everything, right? And so you care for them. You get down to their level. You say, oh, it's going to be okay. We may have our issues to God may be like, he knows they're not a huge issue, but he cares nevertheless. Just like a stubbed toe, he gets down and says, it's going to be okay. That's what Jesus is doing. It's those little details of life. 
He's concerned about people. He's about serving them. And we're going to see that as it continues. So they, they spend the afternoon talking. It's the Sabbath. They can't go anywhere. This is how the rules are in, that, in, in those days because they're, they're following the Old Testament laws. On a Sabbath, you don't go anywhere. So they went, they went to church. That's le- le- okay. And then they went back home. And, and Jesus is hanging out with them. Maybe just the four. Maybe it's also the other people in the household. We don't know for sure. But the point is, is he's with them. And then the moment sundown happens, everything changes. That's because the Sabbath is over. See, the way the Jews reckon days is it begins and ends at sundown. So the Sabbath starts on a Friday at sundown and ends on a Saturday at sundown. And so when the Sabbath is, the Sabbath is over, at evening, at sundown, right at the moment it is legal for them to leave their houses, they descend upon Jesus' location. See, all those people in the morning who had seen and heard all about what happened to the, to the, to the uh, unclean spirit in the morning, oh, they've been talking. And they went, oh, Jesus is different. I got this cousin, I got this sister, I got this friend who needs some help. And so the moment they can do it, they come in droves in to where Jesus is. And he spends how long? We don't know, but a long time. Look at, look at the text there. That e- 32. That evening at sundown, they brought to him all who are sick or oppressed by demons, and the whole city gathered at the door, and he healed many who were sick with various diseases, cast out many demons, and he would not permit the demons to speak. Because they knew him. We talked about that last line uh, last week and we're going to do it again later. But let's leave that for now. The point is, is there are large numbers of people. Jesus is probably doing this till late at night. Doing what? Taking care of people. Again, this little story with, 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 uh, with Simon's mother-in-law. There's hundreds of those people. There's hundreds of people in your own life, right? And there was then too. People who are oppressed, who are miserable, who are filled with anxiety and stress and fear, whose lives are being devastated by these unclean spirits and by diseases. And they're coming to Jesus saying, help! And he stops whatever he was doing and he takes care of people for hours probably. Serving them sacrificing his agenda, whatever he had planned for the day, to take care of people. Giving extravagantly of himself. He's fulfilling, as it says in, in, in Matthew, Matthew um, uh, tells this same story and says what he's doing is he's quoting, uh, fulfilling Isaiah 53, 4 which says that he carried our, our, he bore our suffering. We consider him punished and stricken by God and afflicted, but he took up our pain. He took up our afflictions, our diseases. 
he, it's the idea of he's, he's, he's bringing it into himself. He's caring for us. And in, in, and in Luke, he talks about how he, he was anointed to bring peace and, and freedom for the captives. He's quoting Isaiah 61. With Isaiah 61, talks about how, um, oh, I have the wrong verse up. I think it's 63. Oh, read it up. I either put it in there wrong. It's not their fault. It's mine. I'm going to read it. I probably put the wrong verse in. Ah, yeah, no, I put the wrong verse in, in, in our, our deck here. So Isaiah 61, the spirit of God of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty from the captives, and to open the prison doors of those who are bound. To bring the oil of gladness into the morning. This is what Jesus is doing. He's caring for people. It's something that's going to be characterizing so much of his life. Ultimately, it, it, it culminates in the cross where he gave his life away for it. I mean, everything that's going to come together at the cross, but we're going to see that pattern even at the very beginning. He gives, he gives his life away for people. But that's not all he does. Okay? So he finishes that day. How late is he? I don't know. Probably late in the day. Probably late in the day. But morning comes, and Peter gets up, there's probably people at the door knocking, trying to get in. I, you know, because maybe he, they sent them away and they couldn't get to them all. And he says, okay, it's 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock. You need to go home. You can t see Jesus tomorrow. So they come in the next day, and Jesus isn't there. He left. He got up early. Look at 35, rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed, went to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Jesus goes. Having a very late night, he gets up before it's even, before breakfast, before anything happens, before anybody's awake, and he goes somewhere to pray. A second core thing that we're going to see in Jesus' life is he spends a lot of time praying. He makes it a priority. He, do, he does whatever he has to do to get it in. Because what happens if he didn't get up early? Well, then they would have been at his door and he would have no time to do it. If he, he got up, he could have stayed there and again, the same thing, they would have interrupted him. So he gets up and he goes somewhere where there's nobody at. So he can sp spend uninterrupted time with his father. Sleep is not as important. Eating is not as important. It's his normal habit. This is what Jesus did all the time. Luke 5.16 gives a little bit of a summary of what he does. Uh, in when we, we see that Jesus would often withdraw to a desolate place where he's not going to be found or interrupted and pray. 
When he had big decisions or major things, he would do this too. We can see this in, in Luke 16, verse 12. In these days he went out to the mountain to pray, and he prayed all night long. Prayer was a huge part of who, what Jesus did in his life. And he did whatever it took to get it in. Even though he was busy. Even though he had tons of things to do. Even though he was extremely high demand. I mean, look at, look at the next verse here. When, when Simon comes, Simon, those who are, and those who were searching for him said, they're, found a, they're, they're looking for you. Everybody's looking for you. This, they want him. High demand. Do you, have, do you have a high demand life? It ain't new. That's not new. Martin Luther, the, uh, the reformer, um, has this quote. He, he said, quote, work, work from morning until late at night. In fact, I have so much work to do, I'm going to have to spend the first three hours in prayer. How's that for a perspective? That you have so much you need to do that you better spend the first three of those, of those hours praying. <laughs> Yeah. See, Jesus prioritized prayer, spending time with his Father above all the other things that he could spend his time doing. And what did he get out of that? I think you got to think, think about what's the, 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 the impact of spending this kind of time giving. It's draining, right? Physically, emotionally, um, um, spiritually, I think he's getting revived. You know, in, in our current culture, we talk about doing things like self-care. That's what this is. He's taking time to, to recharge himself, to spend time with his father, so he's not running on empty when he gives his life away to people. Second, I think he... This is where the power for his life is. This is where the power in his ministry is. It's in prayer. We're going we, to see that Jesus does what he does through the power of the Spirit. He doesn't do these things because he's the Son of God. He does these because he is submitted to his Father and he's praying for the Spirit to act. He gets that because he prays. And... He gets the agenda for the day set by his prayer. See, what's happening, what hap he gets up, and he knows, he's not dumb, he knows what's going to happen. As soon as he gets up, they're going to want to descend on him again, and he's probably going to have to spend all day there. Now, he doesn't mind doing that, but is that what the Father wants him to do? Is that the task he was given, to just spend all of his time in one location, healing one person after another and just be a med clinic. No. Look at the text. So Simon, verse 36, Simon said, we were with him, searched, they found him, everyone's looking for you, 38. And he said, let us go to the next town that I may preach there also, because that's why I came. And so he went. Throughout all of Galilee, 
preaching in their synagogues, casting out the demons. The third thing that's a core part of Jesus' life is giving to people, it's prayer, and the last one is he preaches, he proclaims, because that's what it's all about. Everyone's looking for him. They have an agenda for him. And he goes, mm-mm. Just because you're going to be giving your life away to people doesn't mean you're, you let them dictate to you what you do. Your agenda comes from him, not from the crowd, not from the mob. Later on, the crowds are going to want him to be king. We can read this in John chapter 6, where, where he is where he is being just, he's been healing people, he's been feeding people, and when the people saw the sign he did, feeding the, the 5,000, they said, this is indeed the prophet who is to come in the world. All right, yes, and perceiving, Jesus said, that they were about to come and take him by force and make him king, he withdrew from the mountain, and by the way, he went and prayed. Like, uh-uh, I'm not going to do what you want me to do, I'm going to do what my father tells me to do. I'm still going to serve you because, I, because that's who I am. But he sets his agenda based on them. And his agenda is go to the cross and he needs to proclaim the gospel of the kingdom. What is this thing that he typically says throughout all of this? In, in your book here, I don't have it in the slides, it's verse 15. The time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe the gospel. That's what Jesus tells His purpose is to tell people the truth, to tell them the gospel about himself. I'm the king. You need to repent of your sins. You need to put your trust in me. You need to follow after me. And he does add it with actions. He goes on casting out demons, and, he, and as we're going to see, he heals. And so he proclaims, and, and he does serve, but the, but, but the miracles, they validate the message. It's the message that matters. If it was just about serving, he wouldn't have gone off and preached. It's about both. And so these are the three peace parts of the, of the life of Jesus that you're gonna, we're going to see over and over. He's about people, he's about prayer, and he's about proclaiming. It's the core of who he is. He did this all the time. So to follow after Jesus is that you're going to, these are three things that should be a part of your life. How's your prayer life? It's not an argument that you're busy. That's not an argument. Jesus was busy. In certain respects, far, far busier than any of us. And some of us are quite busy. Busyness is not an excuse. Work, work, work. I work all morning, all day, all night. I got to start the first three hours of the day in prayer, says Luther, right? There's no, get up. Which is more important, sleep and eating or prayer? For Jesus, it was prayer. How much did you pray? What, what, what about, oh. What about, I, I just don't know how. Can I be honest? That's an excuse. Let's say you had to do something at your house and you didn't know how to do it. 
what would you do? You'd figure it out, wouldn't you? Yeah? You'd ask somebody. You'd watch a YouTube video. You'd buy a book. You'd do something to figure out it so that it gets done. No, that's so... Not knowing how to pray, no. You know how to pray or you can figure it out. And if you need help, ask me. That's not an excuse. Busy is not an excuse. It's not. So how much should you pray? Let's get real practical. Well, if you don't pray at all regularly, may I suggest start with five minutes a day? Something attainable. Five minutes. Five minutes. And build up from there. But something every day. Set a specific time. Set a specific place. And, and by the way, and get an encouragement partner. It's so much easier when you have somebody saying, hey, how'd you pray today? I'm telling you, if you don't have those three things, you're not going to do it. Set an appointment. Some of you are, 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 are very much into appointments. Put an appointment in your calendar. Say, you know, pull out your, your phone, put it in there at a certain time, and would you just blow off an appointment with a doctor? Well, no. Then don't blow off an appointment with Jesus. Take 10 minutes, 5 minutes of your day and do that. If you miss, it's okay. Just get back on it as quickly as possible. Now, some of you pray a lot. Wonderful. Don't be satisfied. Don't be satisfied with the amount you do pray. Pray more. Until you're to, to the level and you're praying all night on an issue, I think you have some room to improve. And the same thing, set some time, set, 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 set some goals, get a prayer encourager. And, and to help us do this, we're going to have a day of prayer coming up, October 3rd, to help us practice this. We're going to have some details coming out, but I was thinking about this yesterday, and I'm like, we could do a day of prayer and be completely social distanced. There's no reason why we can't, can't do that. We can do it in various parts in the church. We can schedule people out. You could do it outside. You could do it inside. There's so many different ways. So y'all should come, okay? To be a follower of Jesus means you, that you pray. So you have the power that you need. So you have the, the resilience to deal with the insanity of our lives. So you can have the agenda for your day set. Okay? What about people? Now you may not be able to heal. I can't. <laughs> but you can give to people. You can give your time. You can give your resources. You can give your talents. You can... You can serve. Now, I'm an introvert. I know it's hard to believe. I'm an introvert. And I'm task-oriented. My first thought is what needs to be done, not what people are concerned about. So as saying that, I can tell you, you I still need to give to people. I can make the task about a people, about people. I can still give myself to people. I just might need a little bit more self-care to recharge my batteries. That's okay. The issue is sacrifice. The issue is not being focused on yourself. Mark 10, 20, 45 says that Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. That's the pattern of his life. It should be for us. Find some way to give of your life.
to somebody. It doesn't have to be at the church. Sure, that's a good place to start, but it doesn't have to be. Ideally, start with your family. Find some way to serve your family, your neighbor. Are you giving of yourself? And then finally, very practically, we need to be talking about Jesus, guys. It is not enough to just serve. It wasn't enough for Jesus, and it is not enough for us. And right now, it is just about the easiest possible way to talk about Jesus. If you have, if you have a Facebook account, which actually, and I can't believe I'm going to say this, I encourage you to have one. Why? Because it is so easy to, pr- to, to talk about Jesus on Facebook right now. It is ridiculously easy. All you have to do is if you see some little meme or something that talks about Jesus, press like and share. Not just like. A lot of us just like to press like. No, no. Press like and share. And share it. Share the sermon. I don't care what it is if it's about Jesus. It's so easy. And it is a little shameful, if I may be a little grumpy here for a moment, it is a little upsetting that there are people in our society who are so bold and they're so out out there for their causes that they passionately believe are real and true and yet us Christians are still afraid to talk about Christ. Guys, that's wrong. Who cares if they get mad at you? Actually, as sad as it is, it is less controversial to talk about Jesus now as it is some of the other issues out there, right? So talk about Jesus. And if nothing else, tell, give them something positive to think about. Don't let the crowd dictate to you, just like it didn't, Jesus didn't let it. So talk about it. All right, those are the three applications. People, prayer, proclaim. If you want to follow Jesus, those three pieces should be a part of your life. So many often we talk about having a living, a, living a happy, a fulfilled life. This will do it. Serving people, you want to live fulfilled? You want to live happier? Giving something to other people will bring you joy. You want something to have a little bit stress and anxiety? Spend more time in prayer. That will help. And if you want to have something that's fulfilling, be be a part of the Great Commission. There's nothing bigger than that. So what do you need to change today? Do you need to pray more? Do you need to give more? Do you need to say, I'm going to press share as well as like? Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day and your text. Lord, help us to follow you well Help us to follow you, Jesus. Give us, give your servants boldness. Give us love for people. Give us fearlessness. Give us discipline to do what you've asked us to do, whether it's to pray, whether it's to proclaim, or it's to give of ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen. Any comments, Joe? Yeah. <laughs> you were waiting. I was waiting. It's... 
it's hard because uh, as I sit there, I go, oh, I want to talk about that. Oh, well, I can talk about that too. And then there's like a list. Thankfully, I forget most of them uh, by the time I get up here. Uh, <laughs> first thing is, if you're going to share and like, we talked about this beforehand, make sure that what you're sharing is true. Don't be afraid to take a moment and make sure that it's true. It's uh, um, there's, there's traps that people set for us on social media to share things that are inaccurate or yeah. Um, so I just want to add that tiny caveat Kay. there. The, uh, there are definitely so many ways that we can interact with people in social media that is uplifting. And if we're passionate enough to evangelize a given cause, why aren't we passionate enough to for that cause, the number one cause, to be Jesus? Um, scheduling. I am so stubborn that if I schedule something for myself, I resent myself for, <laughs> for doing it. <laughs> So I get to that and I go, who does he think he is to tell me it's time to do that? And so I'll ignore it. The, I am the epitome of the um, stubborn American. And I'm like, oh, my oh I hate this. So um, find out, find what works for you in terms of establishing a routine. Yeah. And it takes a few weeks to do it. And if you're not in a routine, you know, figure out some way that is acceptable to you to do that. And it could be, a, you know, a prayer partner that texts you and says, hey, and we may resent that for a little bit, but once the routine is there, it's not necessary anymore, and then it just becomes something that you do, a part of you. Yeah. Uh, and I am a terrible, like, I'm not a great prayer in terms of, you know, when you're saying make excuses, you don't get better by not doing something. It doesn't just magic, you don't magically get better. Uh, and I, I ramble clearly. Uh, and for me, my uh, prayer is not about the order of the words. It's the heart that's behind it. Yeah. When we're sitting with a friend on the back porch and sharing a cup of coffee or when we're really being present with somebody, it <laughs> I hope that your friendship is strong enough and it's already so well forged that when you say something awkward, they don't jump on you. And also you don't go into some weird, you know, formal speech. You know, <laughs> just I, talk, I, just talk, you know, some, sometimes my prayers are like, God, I have no idea what you're doing. Help me understand why you're doing what you're doing. I don't get it. Yeah. Help connect me with that. Um, I don't I have big words. I don't use them when I pray. I, they're pretty simple, I think. So that's all I want. Thank you for allowing me to talk more than I should. <laughs> all right. Bigger than. We did this song last week. Uh, it's just a song that um, that helps us put into perspective where our issues, our challenges are in terms of God's power and his love for us. Consider the cross in light of what I just talked about. People, prayer, proclaim. Jesus was giving his life away on the cross for people. <laughs> what was the last thing he said? Father, into my hands I commit your spirit. Into your hands I commit my spirit. That's trust. Jesus lived the perfect life of trusting his Father, of praying. That's the issue. Trust. Will you follow after Jesus, trusting in his, his work? 
And he proclaimed on the cross, it's finished. All the work that you need to do to be right with the Father, your forgiveness, your righteousness, all your, your adoption into his family, all of that is done by the Son. You need to trust him for it. Which is what we do when we come to, come to the table. We remember that Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he took bread and said, this is my body, my life that I give for you. And he went to the cross, and there he was crushed for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was laid upon him, and so he was crushed. As the Father laid upon him our sins, the judgment that has rightly fallen on us for our anger, our hatred, our lust, our whatever all the sins that we've done, he laid it on him. And so this is why after, after supper, Jesus can say, this is the cup of the new covenant poured out for the forgiveness of sins. It, if you put your trust in Jesus, your sins, past, present, future, all of them have already been paid for on the cross. You are his. You are clean. Take, drink, and you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Oh, may that be soon. Let me pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for these people. Thank you for your life by which we live. Forgive us of our sins and help us to follow after you. In Jesus' name, amen. Body and blood of Christ given for you. God bless you this week. May you have peace. May you have peace as you trust Him. May you have peace as you serve Him. Whatever comes, God be with you. See you next week.